name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please have a seat. Acts 11, 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to, to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them, all that with that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Thank you, Brittany. How's everyone doing today? All right, first things first, I suppose we let the little, little ones downstairs. Going with my wife as they go, I don't know, what are you learning about today? David and Goliath. It's a great story. Excuse me. All right. Well, today um, we're in the book of Acts, and so um, today we're uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts. I'm sorry, in chapter 11. But before we get to chapter 11, I kind of want to um, just real quickly try my best not to preach what I preached last week out of Acts chapter one. But really, I want us to catch the the mission and the drive of what we talked about last week, and then see how that's working out later on in the book of Acts, and, and really kind of see how, in, in, in what my wife just read, kind of how we get to be a part of this, okay? And, and so, um, in Acts chapter number one, uh, it's before, it's after Jesus has risen from the dead, so Jesus is God, he is our creator, who, who came down in, in flesh, and, and this month, or this next month, uh, it's still, it's still technically uh, November, um, but this next month we celebrate when he comes down into the uh, the world and and puts on human flesh, the incarnation. He comes in the flesh, in a physical body, and and, and then our God, he he lives a perfect life, a sinless life. He begins to call people to repent and to follow him, and then. Uh, ultimately, he uh, offers his life as a sacrifice. He becomes the sacrificial lamb that pays the penalty of our sins by dying on the cross. Thankfully, he's God, and he's got power over life and death, uh, and that's why I can trust uh, that Jesus was not just a man because he actually rose from the dead. And so this, uh, where the book of Acts picks up, is, is just a little bit after he's risen from the dead, and he's preparing his disciples before he's going to go back to heaven but he said he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he gives them a commission. He gives them a command. He says you will receive, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, 
you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world, earth. My goodness. So. Jesus, Jesus' disciples are given this commission, this command by Jesus to be his witnesses, to testify, to give evidence, to give proof of the things that he has said and done. And, and Luke seeks to do that. He opens up the book of Luke saying, hey, I wrote the first gospel, the first letter I wrote to you, the gospel according to Luke, to tell you what Jesus said and did. And now he's going to continue the story of what Jesus' disciples said and did. Uh, what their actions were after Jesus left. And so uh, where we're going to be looking at, really, the whole rest of the book of Acts and really the whole rest of Christian church history is in response to the command that God gave to his disciples. God gave his disciples this command, this commission, to go be his witnesses, to testify of what Jesus has done. Now, Ultimately, what we, you know, because it's, it's, I don't even know if it's grammatically correct for me to say what Jesus said and did. You know, we, we testify of what Jesus said and did. It sounds weird to me. So it's much simpler to just say we go and we preach the gospel, right? And, and maybe that's Christian lingo, and maybe we don't always know what we mean when we say that. So I want to define that a little bit. To preach is literally, I'm just saying proclaim. And I know there's all kinds of modern day questions about what all this means. But in, 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 uh, in Scripture, in the Bible, um, it's, it's used, the word preach primarily means to proclaim, to, to tell others, to, to speak, to testify. And so we are to preach. Like it's, it's for all of us, those that follow Jesus Christ. We are to preach, to proclaim. And what are we to proclaim? It's the gospel, right? And, and that's just a fancy word for saying good news, right? And what is the good news? It is that our God has come down and made a way for us to have life with him. And there's a lot to that. And sometimes when we say the gospel, we mean the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is absolutely the gospel. It is the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If, if we're not teaching that, then really our gospel is fairly incomplete, okay? It's not enough if it's just us and what we're doing. It has to be the work of Jesus Christ. Like that song we just sang, it's in Christ alone, right? It's not in just ourselves. But this good news, like, listen, sometimes, like, I, I recognize, like, if we go to first, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, it, it clearly lays out what the gospel is. It's the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we need to know that. We need to teach other people about that. But, man, it's more than just that. The good news is how God lives with us. It's how God interacts with his people, with his creation. The simple fact that we can celebrate <coughs> we can celebrate Christmas as some great, great thing is because it is God with us. It's good news, right? It's the angels declaring it's, it's good news. It's great joy to all people, right? Because God is with his people. Because God has, has walked with us. And, and so the good news that we get to proclaim, listen, to preach the gospel is like it's important that we at some point are telling the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But we can preach the gospel by simply sharing with other people the goodness of our God in our life. When, when we celebrate Christmas, 
when we celebrate his incarnation, we can share the goodness in the heart of our God to come down and not leave us alone to our own devices. It, it's, not, it's not necessarily that we're hitting every single point of this, this, what we call the gospel. It's that we're sharing the goodness of our God. And we have this command from Jesus himself to preach the gospel. Well, the disciples have that, right? How many of you have that excuse in your head? Well, that was to the disciples, you know, after he rose from the dead. That was like 2,000 years ago. Is that really for me? I want you to know, and, and I want to look at this church in Antioch, because I think the church in Antioch that we're, uh, we're going to look at in chapter number 11, there, there's some key things about this church that just... It goes against what we are used to. It goes against maybe what our expectations are of what religion should look like. And so, it, it, you know, I know I, I, I went back to chapter 1, but hopefully if you're in your Bible, in Acts chapter number 11, we're going to uh, start right there in verse number 19. It says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose after Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one, but the Jews only, and, and I want to I, I wanna address the fact that it says to no one but the Jews only. Like, I mean, uh, the people that were in Jerusalem uh, when, when the day of Pentecost happened, the people that were living in Jerusalem, they were Jewish people. Like, even if, like, if we read in the book of Acts, at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, as Jesus promised, and there's this great loud noise, and, and they begin to just like preach the gospel, and it's amazing, and thousands of people come to believe in Jesus as the resurrected Savior, and, and, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, but it says there's people from all over the place. Well, it's, it's Jews from all over the place that had come back to Jerusalem to worship, right? And then they went back to where they lived, right? But the, it was the Jewish people. And so inherently, the, the, the Christian religion comes from the Jewish faith, okay? Like, um, like that's the way God designed it, right? God gave the Jewish people the promises so that then he could bring his, his son to the world, right? And it was always meant to be a blessing to all peoples, right? That's his promise to Abraham back in Genesis. But so to get back on track, so these Jewish people, they're being scattered because of persecution. They're scattered because of persecution. So if you have your paper, like I, at the front entrance, there's um, papers for uh, the um, sermon notes, and there's blanks on there. And, and if you are following along on that, the first thing I want us to see is the church at Antioch was started, and it was started by persecution, and it was started because of preaching. The, the church in Antioch, Antioch, its origin, like it comes out of like a lot of hardship. It comes out of, well, it, it gives like a direct, like it directly tells us what persecution drove them away, right? It also, uh, it, no, that's a side note. Okay. It says, after the persecution that arose after or over Stephen. So, um, there, there's this this story of Stephen. He's in the church in Jerusalem. The church was growing and it was it, it was getting big and it was getting hard to manage for the disciples. And so the disciples uh, chose some men that would be able to help them in the ministry that they were doing, uh, because 
you know, the, the church, oh, man, I'm so excited to teach the book of Acts. And it's so hard not to be like, it teaches us all these things, right? And I, I, I can't tell you all the stories in Acts just to get to this point. But, but they chose some men, and Stephen is one of the men that they called deacons, that they called a servant, um, that would help the disciples in, in ministering in the first church in Jerusalem, okay? And this man, Stephen, he was full of the Holy Ghost, and he, throughout his life, the actions he was doing to serve other Christians, but also in, in his relationships with those that are around him, he's preaching the gospel. And it actually comes to a problem because when he's preaching the gospel, the people that are hearing it don't like it because it means that they've rejected their God. They've rejected their Messiah because they crucified Jesus. And so they get mad at Stephen to the point where they tell him to shut up and he won't. And so then they stone him to death. They kill this man because he's preaching the gospel. Because he's preaching something that's contrary to what they want to believe. The interesting thing about it is they, it says that as they stoned Stephen, that they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. This man, this, this man Saul, he's, He's this Pharisee, I mean, he's training, like, he's been trained by one of the most famous Pharisees of the day, by Gamaliel, and, and he's, he's got this, like, promising up-and-coming quality to him, and so, I, I, you know, part of me is wondering if Paul, Saul, sorry, I gave away some of the story, if Saul and, and Stephen were the ones that were kind of having a conversation, because as they stoned Stephen, it was... It was at Saul's authority. It was at his direction. They laid their coats down at his feet saying that he's the one who's approved of this. And Saul, he, he okayed the murder, the martyrdom of Stephen. And then Saul gets the authority from the Sanhedrin to begin to hunt down these, these followers of the way. These followers of Jesus Christ. He, he gets this authority to track them down, to imprison them. And, and they didn't always have the authority to kill them because they're under the Romans. They probably exceeded their authority with Stephen, but they didn't really care too much at that time. And so they're, they're beginning to imprison the, the followers of Jesus. They're, they're suppressing them. They're kicking them out of their homes. They're, they're making it impossible for them to come to the synagogue to worship with their family. They're, they're making them outcasts. And it's all, all under the authority and the direction of this man called Saul. And, it, and, and for many people, it, it comes to this point where they can't stay in Jerusalem any longer. And they have to move. They have to leave. And really, the book of, uh, like, all throughout the New Testament, we see the ramifications of this. We see uh, James who is the half-brother of Jesus, he, he writes a letter to, to those that are scattered because of persecution. It, it, it's called the book of James. And, and we see here in the book of Acts, and, and we see other letters that, that discuss just how far people, how far the gospel spread because of this persecution. So I want us to catch a little bit of this. If we're looking at at the church at Antioch, and we're looking at the commission of Jesus to his followers, 
it, listen, he said, and this is something I want to repeat, and, and, and I talked about it some last week, but he, he said that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And what I want us to recognize is Jesus' command for his disciples is to preach the gospel in ever-widening circles of influence, in, in ever-widening circles of location. Like, it's not just here, it's, it's out here as well, and it's everywhere. And, and Jesus is going to make sure that his disciples are preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, but he can also use the means of persecution to make that gospel go farther into Antioch. And what we'll see from Antioch, it, it, we'll, we'll go to chapter 13 here in a minute, is that they, they don't keep it just in Antioch. They make sure it keeps going. And, and so this command that Jesus has for his people, his followers, his, his church, right? The, the church, it's just... It's just an assembly. It's a gathering of Jesus' followers. This church, this gathering of Jesus' followers at Antioch, it only happened because of persecution. And I want us to ask ourselves, what in my life am I so worried about as is this terrible circumstance that I'm forgetting what God's commanded me to do? See, sometimes we get so worried about how hard life is getting, the fact that we might have to move, the fact that there's financial pressure, the fact that there's, there's things I can't control, there's worries, there's anxieties. We look at these circumstances and they become what drives us and it becomes the focus of everything that we worry about. And yet the command for Jesus' disciples is in every aspect of our life, no matter our circumstances, that we be witnesses for Jesus. And maybe God is using the circumstances of your situation to give you more opportunities to preach the gospel. Listen, the hardships in life, I, I, I'm not here saying that, you know, when you just figure out what God has for it, it's just easy. Like these people had to move, they had to start over, they had to, they had to build community. Like there's hardship in this. I recognize it's not easy. But we have to have the focus that no matter what's going on in our life, how can I preach the gospel through this? How can I see the goodness of my God in what's happening? And how can I share with others what God is doing? No matter the situation. The church of Antioch, it was started because of persecution. But it was also started because they were preaching. Notice that. Verse 19 still says, and, and they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. I, Antioch there, so w w there's a ton of Antiochs. And really, if you, if you read past where we're going to talk about, like, uh, Paul's going to go to another Antioch, right? Uh, I think I read there's like 15 Antiochs in ancient history. And so this one's Antioch of uh, Syria. And I just said that, and now I'm second-guessing myself. But I'm pretty sure it's Antioch of Syria. And, and so there's lots of Antiochs, but this is the, this is the famous one most people know about. Um, so they went as far as Antioch, and they were preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But look at verse 20. It says, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And there's lots of ancient history here that I don't want to jump too far into. 
there's a progression that's kind of happening here. Um, the Jews only, uh, you know, and, and Paul in his missionary journeys did this a lot where he would start in the synagogue where the Jewish people worshiped. The Hellenists are going to be the, the Greek um, influenced Jews, right? Those, those that were conquered by the Greek and adopted the Greek culture. They're called Hellenists, okay? And, and so you see kind of this progression where even, even in Antioch, like it starts with just like in the, in the synagogues with the Jews only. And you see them recognizing like there's an ever widening extent to how this, this preaching happens. But the interesting thing about this is in verse 19 and 20, it talks about how the persecution spread these people from Jerusalem because of this persecution, it, it cast them into these other areas and they began to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't know their names. See, I, I love the church at Antioch because we don't know who started it. It's unnamed followers of Jesus that as they were experiencing their life, as they were living whether it was through the hardships of having to move because of persecution, it was the regular unnamed followers of Jesus that were preaching every day in their life. They were preaching about the goodness of their Lord. They were preaching about what Jesus, that he's no longer dead, that he rose from the dead. They're preaching that Jesus has called for us to repent and that his kingdom is at hand. It was everyday people preaching the gospel. The church at Antioch was started because of everyday people preaching the gospel. And I want to tell you today that we're not waiting for someone special to come to Green River. We're the everyday people that are following Jesus that need to be preaching the gospel. The, the church in Green River is a direct descendant of the church at Antioch. Because regular people preach the gospel. We get to do that. This command that Jesus gave in Acts 1.8, this was not just to those 12 disciples, the 11, because Judas had hung himself. It was not just to those 11 disciples. It was not just to however many that were there that saw him ascend into heaven. It is for all of us that follow Jesus. This command to be his witnesses starts here and it has to get bigger it has to grow it has to ever extend outward because the gospel is good news for all people for all time i love i love the idea of the church of antioch because we're we're going to start recognizing names here in just one second right but it starts with people i don't even know the name of and you do not know the impact you can have by just preaching the gospel. Whether it's at work, whether it's just with your family, whether it's when you talk to the gas station clerk. If we actually began to preach the goodness of our God in every day, in every circumstance, in every situation. If we began to show faith when hardship comes if we began to recognize the goodness and the presence of our God and the power that he's offered to us, then every single day, every single situation we're in, we can preach the goodness of our God. We can have an impact 
not just in Green River, but maybe even in Rock Springs. Maybe even in Salt Lake City. We, we have an opportunity. Sometimes it's through persecution, but it's always going to be by proclaiming the goodness of our God. We need to preach the gospel. I want to give some encouragement for us because we are, <laughs> again, I, I mentioned this last week, the book of Acts is not done. We are living in the book of Acts. That we are living we are living out what it means to be the witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're all the way out in Wyoming. We're almost to the end of the earth, right? We're a part of the story. And so there's some encouragement to us because we're the unknown, un, unnamed people. And sometimes the weight of what it means to, to reach all the world like, that's hard. But there's encouragement in it because we're not alone, right? Look at verse number, I think it's 20, 22. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. So I want us to look at how the church at, at Antioch was sustained. The church at Antioch was sustained, well, by the help of the church at Jerusalem. Like, this is a beautiful thing that sometimes, like, sometimes, you know, and, and I, don't, I, I don't mean to harp one way or the other or be, be too bent one way or the other, but, uh, like, I think there's good things that come from having some distinctions about the differences between us. But listen, like, the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas. They wanted to encourage and support the work that they heard about going on at Antioch. And there's going to be things that we have to agree on. We have to agree on what the gospel is. It's the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we go about in our community, I want us to recognize that there are other, there are other churches, there are other people that are convinced of what the gospel is, that Jesus is our God who lived died, was buried, and rose again to offer the, the payment for our sin. That is the only way we can have life with him. I recognize there are people that say some of the same things that don't believe the gospel. They preach another gospel. I recognize we're not all on the same page, but there are many of us that we disagree on some things, but we agree on what the gospel is, that Jesus is the only way for us to have life with God. And we can recognize that we are not in this alone. The burden and the weight of reaching Green River for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ is not ours alone. Ours alone. We have a part in obeying what God has called us to do. But God is actively working in the other people as well. And we, we can find ways where we can actually encourage each other. And, and the truth is, is like, I'll be honest when so so all of this this that I'm talking about has, has been driven by the fact that our church's mission statement is to serve, share, strengthen, and send. And, and when I first came here, I had this idea of preaching through this mission statement of what it means for Living Hope Church. What does it mean for us to serve, share, strengthen, and send? And as I, I considered this, a, a friend of mine that, that helped me move from Buffalo. 
he explained to me that part of me being here is a fulfillment of this mission statement. Because in Buffalo, I was strengthened and equipped and then sent here. Just as Barnabas was, was taught and fellowshiped and, and groomed and strengthened at the church in Jerusalem, and then he was sent to Antioch to help encourage the church at Antioch. Like th This is a picture of what it means of how we, as fellow brothers and sisters, as fellow churches, we can help each other in our growth and in our mission. And the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas. And it's not sent to go take over and tell them they're doing everything wrong. It's not to be like, well, here's the way we do it in Jerusalem. <laughs> like, that's one of the most annoying things to ever hear. Uh, uh, you know, Julie's heard me say many times up here on the worship team, right? Well, I've done this in the past, and sometimes, like, I just catch myself. And it's just like, well, who cares how I used to do it? Like, how are we doing it here? Right, And so Barnabas, his, his, his mission, his goal was not to come in and make Antioch look like Jerusalem. Instead, what did Barnabas do? It says this, and when he came, verse 23, and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Listen, the, the church, church in, in Antioch it was sustained by the support of the church in Jerusalem and by the ministry of Barnabas. Barnabas comes, and, and Barnabas, like, his story is interesting when we begin to see him in, in Acts, right? And he's called the son of encouragement. What he does everywhere he is, no matter his situation, if it was in Jerusalem or in Antioch, and, or what we're just about to look at, he's always encouraging people. And his encouragement is to continue with the Lord. See, this command that we have from God to be his witnesses is after that the Holy Spirit has come upon us. We have this command to be his witnesses, and we have the encouragement that is by his power, and it's with his presence, and it's by his authority. Listen, wherever our situation is, like wh whatever our circumstances, we have this command from our God to preach the gospel. And the encouragement is that we're not alone. We have other churches. We have those within our own church. We can have friends that are coming alongside us and encouraging us and pointing us to trust in the presence of our God. That's what I'm trying to do today. My encouragement to you is that where, whatever circumstance, whatever situation you find yourself in, preach the gospel. Don't try to face it alone. Don't try to do it by yourself. Build relationships here within the church. Build relationships within your, your workplace where you can show the goodness of our God. Barnabas is really, really good at this. It's, it's a gift. Like it, we talked weeks ago about like the different gifts that God gives us, like superpowers. And Barnabas' superpower given to him by God was to be an encourager. And he, he, he's doing this work in Antioch, and he's excited, he's glad, he's encouraging, and, and, and it's growing. It says right there, uh, um, 
verse 24, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And, and so, so Barnabas comes from Jer- Jerusalem, and he comes to the church of Antioch, and he, and, and, and he starts ministering, he starts encouraging, he starts preaching the word, uh, he starts preaching the gospel just as everyone else there is preaching the gospel. And, and the church is growing, and many were added to the Lord. But Barnabas, he recognizes there's a lot of work. Green River is a really big place. There's a lot of work that needs done. Barnabas can't do it alone. The unnamed people that started the church at Antioch, they can't do it alone. We need to bring people alongside us in our ministries. Barnabas, he knows of someone be excellent to help with the church at Antioch. He has an idea. He has a vision. He knows someone that could come in and help him in ministry, and also he could encourage to continue doing ministry. I think, I think maybe if we had that focus, where if we actually asked ourselves, okay, so how am I actively involved in preaching the gospel? How am I actively involved in encouraging others to follow Jesus? And then to ask yourself, how can I bring someone else with me and help them do it as well? Listen, if you're a part of some kind of ministry and you're not looking how to involve other people so that they can learn and that they can do it as well, then it's always going to be on you. And it's going to be limited to here. But if we bring others alongside, then we can begin to expand it. And suddenly it's not all on me. And and, and maybe I stay here and he goes to the next place. Barnabas has his vision and and he recognizes I can't do this alone. Verse number 25, then Barnabas departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. You know, as I was studying this, something blew my mind. Barnabas is a sense of encouragement. He recognizes the work. He's excited and he's encouraging and, and, and things are happening. And he knows of this person that he's already encouraged and worked with in Jerusalem goes and he gets them and he brings them to this church at Antioch so that they can continue the work. And it was the man that made all the people that are unnamed run away from Jerusalem. Man, I, I, don't, I don't know what word to call it. Maybe it's divine irony. Maybe it's just grace. I don't know, but I want you to catch a vision that that The church at Antioch was started because people had to flee the persecution that arose after Stephen. The one started by Saul. Saul was chasing these people. He was seeking them out. He was trying to imprison them. Maybe, I don't know, my imagination starts to run wild. Maybe Saul had imprisoned some of their family members. Maybe Saul had gotten some of them fired. Maybe Saul had killed some of their family members. 
us to recognize the power of the gospel. And these people that ran away from Saul, now years later, are being ministered to by, by the same man. Because God can change our lives. Because God's power goes far beyond the hurts that we face. It does not matter how hard or harshly you've been treated. God can forgive. God can renew. God can restore. And the man who once sought to kill God's people is now ministering with him. This is, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is the gospel we preach. These unnamed people that started the church at Jerusalem, or church at Antioch, it was because of the persecution of Saul, and it was because they went and preached the gospel. They're sustained, sustained through the power of God, through the support of other churches, through the ministries of Barnabas and Saul. There's a little, little word here. I don't want to skip past it. Um, verse number 26, it says, And it brought them to Antioch. And so it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Barnabas and Saul, they were, they were ministering to this church. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I don't want to jump past this because this is such a cool thing. Again, I think Antioch is this beautiful, beautiful, wonderful picture. Because we, we get this idea sometimes uh, of, of the New Testament mostly written by Paul, Saul, that we, I mean, God changes his name, right? But like, like Paul writes most of the New Testament. There's the 12 disciples, Peter and, and John, they write a bunch of the New Testament. And then there's guys like the half-brother of Jesus, he writes part of the New Testament. And it's quickly, it, it quickly becomes this thing where it's just like, well, I wasn't in Jerusalem. And, and, and like these guys are really cool and powerful. And like, but I want us to recognize like where we bear the name Christian came from the church at Antioch. From a bunch of no-name people that just were doing what God called them to do. Do not limit what God can do in your life. If you will go, be obedient to do what God has said, preach the gospel. And we can change things. God can change things. God can do wonderful things. Very quickly... I, I'm already crazy long on time, but very quickly, I want to skip the rest of chapter 11 and chapter 12. There's really important things, and, and there's going to come a time when I teach through the book of Acts, and I think these things give us beautiful direction on how to work together as a church and how we can work with other people. And like, There's beautiful things within these chapters, but I want to look very quickly at chapter number 13, verse number 1. It says, Now in the church that was Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So we're, we're still in, in, in the church of Antioch, right? 
The church of Antioch, you know, started by no-name people. It, it was sustained through ministry of, of no-name people, other churches, and through Barnabas and Saul. But now we see in, in, in chapter 13, this is pr- after that year that they ministered together, we, we see that there's five leaders that are prominent in the church of Antioch. Two of them, we know who they are, right? Barnabas and Saul, we've already talked about them. But then there's these other three guys and, and, and what I kind of want us to get a picture of is like, like let's think of this church in Antioch. It's grown and it's it, it's been vibrant and it's been exciting. And you've got these great this great ministry happening. And you've got these people that you really like and 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 you've learned to love them and and you've learned to follow their teaching and and, and they're it's exciting. You've got five great leaders that you're looking up to. But then look at this. Verse number two. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. The last point I want us to see is that the church of Antioch was sending. They were sending their own. They weren't just sending the people that they didn't like. They weren't just sending the ones that were troublemakers. Well, Saul's probably a troublemaker, but <laughs> Barnabas, I mean, he's like your best friend. He's the son of encouragement. You don't want to get rid of that guy, right? Like maybe Saul's a little polarizing. But they were, they were raising up leaders, and then they were catching this vision that God had given them to ever widening the circles. It's not just in Jerusalem. It's not just in Antioch. It's also in our region. And really, it's to the end of the world. And so they send them away because there's more work to be done. And I want our church, the reason I believe that the last word in our mission statement is send is because we can't be selfish in what we're doing. We have to catch the vision of our God, the heart of our God, for the people not just of Green River, but also in Salt Lake and, and, and also in Mexico, maybe even in Canada. Like we need to catch God's vision for the whole world. We can't be selfish in the ministries that we're doing. We can't be seeking to just do things that are good for those that we see around us. We have to be seeing how we can raise up and send out people to preach the gospel everywhere. In our current circumstances and in ever-widening circles, we need to preach the gospel and we need to encourage fellow believers. Our, our mission as a church, and I want to encourage you guys, right? Like, <coughs> I recognize a lot of people aren't here today. Um, uh, it's it's holiday, right? Like people are away, and I know we don't live stream our services, but we do uh, put them up on YouTube, so you can go back and listen. And and I've tried to, in the in, in the past two months, look at what our mission statement is as a church. And really, if I could boil it down, it, it is this sentence here: that no matter our circumstances, whether it's here, uh, when we're at the church encouraging each other whether it's when we're meeting each other in each other's homes or whether it's 
you know, Steve's not here, but whether it's as he's playing pickleball, whether it's if God makes us move for a different job or, or calls us to go to the mission field, no matter our circumstances, that we are seeking to preach the gospel and to encourage our fellow, fellow believers. This is, the, this is why we come together, to encourage each other to continue with the Lord in the mission that he has given us to be his witnesses. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come to you today and uh, we're thankful for the work that you are doing. And, and, and we recognize that you are active and, it, and it's been exciting to see what you are doing in our community. But Lord, we're, we also recognize that there's more work to do. And so, Lord, I pray that we would come alongside, that we would, uh, that we would see other believers in, in, in the work that they're doing, that we would be able to encourage them, strengthen them, that we could share with the, our, our fellow believers and that we can share with our community the gospel of your good news, what you are doing, what life lo looks like with you. And so, Lord, we pray for you to open our eyes. We pray for your presence and your power that you would lead us and, and, uh, and open our mouths and, and, and guide our feet in the work that you are calling us to. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty, guys. Well, before we leave, i got a couple of announcements. Um, um, first of all, uh, because uh, half of everyone's here at Troy, we won't have any small group Bible study tonight. I do. If, if you guys are free Sunday nights, like it's been really encouraging. I, we've been having a great time. Uh, we've been going through the story of Daniel right now, and it's been really exciting. Uh, so no, not tonight. We got too many people away. Uh, we'll start that back up again next week. Youth group is Wednesday nights. Um, this Saturday, December 2nd, is this Saturday. I'm not crazy on my time, right? Okay. This Saturday, there's a, a ladies virtual event. Um, there's a flyer for it on that back table by the camera. Um, uh, it's... Um, it's talking about like how you can share like kind of what we talked about today like in this season how can we share the like the story of God right uh, through the Christmas story how can we share Christ um, and so uh, it's a vir virtual thing that they're doing in Rock Springs um, and so I think my wife is planning on going so if you're thinking about going you can see her about that also today uh, the giving tree was put up uh, out in the foyer. Um, and so this is for local children uh, that may not um, be able to get a toy uh, or a present, a gift, otherwise this season. Um, and so these are local kids that we can support. Uh, and you just take an a, a angel cut out with a kid and what they're looking for this, this season. Um, and you can go buy that, wrap it for them, and then bring it back to the church by December 10th. That's in like two weeks. So like that doesn't give us a lot of time. You got something? Yeah, there's a sign-out sheet for what one you take. And that's just so in, in the off chance you forget, not saying you would, but in the off chance you lose it or something, um, uh, they'll have that list of, of everything. And they're going to make sure that uh, the kids get what they need. Uh, but this is a way we can be a part of it and we can share uh, with and, and support uh, our local kids. And so I think it's a great opportunity. Um, we'll, uh, I know for sure we'll be grabbing one or two or I don't know. Probably have the kids look at it and they'll do whatever they want, right? They're kids. 
So that's all I've got. Um, any other announcements? Anything else coming up? All right. JT, it's great to have you back. Do you want to pray for us as we leave?